Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, this episode is going to be entirely dedicated to reviewing the Bengals-Colts game. Todd Pennington with Columbus-based Revolution Mortgage is the proud sponsor of the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. If you're looking to refinance into a very competitive low rate or cash out for debt consolidation or home improvements, now is the time with historically low rates. Todd should also be your go-to guy if you're looking to purchase a new home or get out of renting. So contact Todd Pennington at 614-390-9520 or visit revolutionmortgage.com slash tpennington for more info. Revolution Mortgage is an equal housing lender, NMLS ID 1686046. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast is brought to you by the Zedia Network. Week 6 Game Review Indianapolis Colts 31, Cincinnati Bengals 27 21 nothing. This one still hurts, I have to admit. When they scored that third touchdown to begin the second quarter, I turned to my girlfriend and I was like, you know, we're going to win this game. We can't get too high or too low. we got to focus on the rest of the season. I was already starting my victory speech on how the Bengals were coming back this year and going to be storming in for a playoff berth. And then literally within seven minutes from there, the Colts scored really quickly on that next drive, and I just had a foreshadowing. I was like, we're going to give up this lead. I could feel it. And I'm not like that. I love this team. I'm not rooting for that. Believe me. It was just this eerie feeling that we're not going to hold on to this. This is a a good team. We kind of jumped on them by surprise. You know, we got that early fumble recovery. So that gave us like a quick jump into the lead. So that 21-0 score was a little distorted because of that turnover. It wasn't just like total domination. But what are you going to do? It was a fun game to watch. It was competitive. I had a great time. There was a moment I turned to my girlfriend and I was like, I love this. This is my favorite thing on the planet to do is watch this team. That was on the fourth quarter drive when they were really moving the ball. And then shortly after that was the interception, which ended the game. So before we discuss the game, let's go into some current headlines. I think the biggest headline for me is the injury to Joe Mixon. First half, he was storming. I think he had 44 yards in the first half. And then the second half after the injury, he had 10 yards. I don't know what happened. I watched the game a couple times, and I was trying to find the play where it happened, and I'm really not sure. He went to the locker room at the two-minute warning or right before and then came back out. So they must have either shot it up or given him some quick treatment to try to get him on the field. And then he was over there doing jumping jacks. I was like, all right, he's back. But then the second half, he looked a little bit dinged up. So that's a situation I want to monitor. We need this guy for the rest of the year. I definitely don't want to see him hurt. In other news, they picked up old friend Margus Hunt, and they waived Andrew Brown to make room for Hunt. So Hunt comes over. He's probably going to fit into the rotation both on the outside of the defensive line and on the inside. So they're going to rotate him in. He's a good guy. I liked him when he was here. Not quite a game-breaker, but someone that you can throw into the rotation that's probably going to help, especially with that depleted line. It's tough to be a playoff team when I would say 75% of your defensive line are waiver wire pickups. And those guys are playing hard, believe me. I I don't have complaints about any of them. But it's just tough if you're going to construct one of the most important pieces of your team with guys that weren't even here during the summer and training camp. Then in other news, we've had some disgruntled Bengals players lately, and that's rare for this team. We've had a lot of unity. I guess when you're starting to lose games and guys aren't getting the playing time that they expect... You know, I guess things are going to start creeping out. So what do we have? We had a few things go on. Sean Williams and Darius Phillips both tweeted about lack of playing time. 
and things to the effect of don't waste me while I'm here. And then Dunlap has been upset, and I understand. I mean, Amani Bledsoe got as many snaps as Dunlap this week, and I can't blame Dunlap for being upset about that. He's got to step up his game this year. I know he's starting to slow down a little bit, like every player does. He's still playing hard out there, still hustling. But it's tough to take when your playing time gets cut. And then John Ross, I do sympathize with him. They had him inactive for a couple games. They activated him this game. I think he played one snap. So from his point of view, he's feeling like the Bengals aren't going to use me this year. They didn't pick up my option. I'm going to be a free agent this year. If I stay on the Bengals and never see any playing time, I'm not going to have any value on the free agent market. If they trade me and I go to another team, then I can put up some bigger numbers. Maybe that team signs me to an extension and I can make more money. I really think that the trade me request was for money purposes and for the future. And again, I don't blame them. I think they should be using him more. I think they should be using Alex Erickson more. I know there's only so many snaps to go around, but you have some quality players, some niche players that you can use in unique situations and mix it up for the defense. You know, after a while, if the defense is used to covering Boyd and Green and Higgins, they're going to get used to their moves and their their tendencies. But you start bringing in some quality guys like Erickson, maybe use Mike Thomas like you were in the first couple games. You bring in John Ross. There's some wrinkles that you can throw in there. So I don't blame him for wanting to request a trade. But to all these guys, I just wish they weren't barking right now. The team's struggling a little bit. We're trying to build with Burrow, create a positive mindset. The guys that are complaining, in all honesty, it's a little selfish. Now to the game itself, we jumped out to that 21-0 lead. And again, that fumble in the beginning really helped us jump out to a, a bigger lead than we would have under normal circumstances. Again, I'm a Coach Taylor fan, but you can't lose a game where you're up by 21 You just can't. You have to find a way. You have to find a way to get some second-half scores. You have to find a way to get a few stops, hold them to field goals instead of touchdowns, maybe manipulate the clock. But either way, you have to figure out a way when you're up 21-0 to not give that game away. And then we move on to the play calling. There was some solid play calls, but I'm seeing a trend this year that we're more creative in the first half than in the second half. I know we did the flea flicker in the second half of this game. We did one jet sweep. But we start getting a little more predictable. I I guess maybe they have some of these plays scripted for the first half so they remember to put them in and then the heat of the battle comes in the second half and you kind of stick to what you know rather than get creative. So that's something that we need to think about when calling plays is to remain creative, mix up those formations, don't slip into tendencies when the game is getting crucial. And as I've said before, I think next season Coach Taylor should be handing over those duties because even in this game, after the game in his press conference, they asked him a question about um, one of the defensive linemen and he didn't have an answer. He was like, you know what, I need to watch the film. And I understand that. Me too. I can't comment on a player right after the game. I can give an off-the-cuff response, but you do need to take a step back and watch. But what I got from that is he's not watching the defense much because he's so worried about getting the offensive play calling. And, And that's fair. Calling offensive plays in the NFL is a full-time job, so I understand he's not aware of everything that's going on with the defense, but I think that needs to change for the future. I think he really needs to oversee so he knows what's going on with the defense, so when there's a question about the defense, he knows because he's on top of it. So that's another thing that leads into saying, hey, you know what, maybe the head coach calling plays might not be the best solution. And then a couple other killer things is when you give up points at the half, I've been talking about it, They didn't do it last week, and I was celebrating it. I thought it was a new trend, and we were right back into it again. 
And when we give up points at the end of the first half, I always check the amount, and then at the final score, inevitably, that's the amount that we lose by or something close. So we lost by four. They scored seven at the end of the first half. That drive was technically the difference in the game. It happens all the time. I don't know the solution. Nine out of ten Bengal games, it happens. So I don't know the answer. No matter who the personnel is, no matter who the coach is, it just seems like that's the trend. I don't get it. Regardless of that, when you get the ball in the second half, I almost can forgive a a two-minute drive at the end of the first half that ends up in a score if we're getting the ball. I'm like, all right, we're going to come answer right back. But we went three and out to start the second half, and that is a killer. That's That bothers me just as much as giving up points at the end of the first half. We had the ball for like a minute and a half, gave it right back. It was like we never had the advantage of getting the kickoff, and that happens to us a lot too. Especially, don't go three and out. If you have all of halftime to devise a plan, maybe have a script for halftime. But either way, you should come into the second half and be able to sustain a drive. It's nice to get a couple first downs, even kick a field goal, or get a punt that's going to pin them back, but not three and out. That's inexcusable after a whole half to think about things. And back to the flow of the game, it was 21-0, so we scored 21 straight on them. And then from that point in the game on, they beat us 31-6. to When you're playing an opponent that technically is better than you, you see that. Sometimes you see the the underdog jump out to a big lead and the favorite is a little shell-shocked and then it takes the favorite a little while to get its bearings and then they buckle down and that was really kind of the case of this game. But you know, if you look at the second half, they beat us 10-3 in the second half. So it was a pretty evenly contested game, but that second quarter was just a disaster. And five false starts is not going to help us. I think it's caused because Burrow has such a good hard count. I think he's faking out our guys. But that's a lot of false starts. And that was, you know, we saw a third and seven become a third and 12. We had a first and 15. And five is just way too many. We have to find a way to eliminate them. I mean, maybe one a game is excusable, but five is, is not going to help you. And then you had the third and one fullback up the middle play to Pirine. My issue with that is... They were stacked up. They they thought that we were going to run it to Mixon, I think, or maybe even have a quarterback sneak. So where P. Ryan was going with the ball just had so many guys that were ready to eat him up as a lead blocker anyway. So that play was kind of doomed from the start. And then you have the big decision on fourth down. Do you go for it or do you kick the field goal? You can argue either side. I, I think I might have gone for it in that situation. But it was good. I mean, Bullock did hit a 55-yarder. So before we get to the offense and defense specifically, let's talk about Joe Burrow's performance. First off, he's keeping his eyes downfield no matter what the pressure is, and that's such a big trait that's going to lead to good things. He's throwing it to tight windows. He did have another 300-yard game, four out of the first six, and sometimes those 300-yard games are misleading. You know, when you're trying to mount a comeback, you're going to stack up some yards at the end of the game. But if you think about his performance this year, they were ahead in the fourth quarter in multiple games. So it wasn't like they've just been trying to throw their way back into a bunch of these games. So either way, I'm giving him credit for four 300-yard games. Excellent. Still continuing to show great composure no matter what's going on, under pressure, even driving in the fourth quarter. That drive was looking good. I was getting so excited. The interception happened, and he owned up to it. They asked him, did you see him? He said no. He didn't make up an excuse. He owned up to it, and I like that accountability. So he's, he's got that coolness, composure, accountability. He's got the skill. 
He's going to make some mistakes in these early games, and he did make a couple mistakes in this game. You know, there was another one that led to that second quarter score where he almost threw the interception, and then we had to punt right after that. So there was a couple throws where the defense confused him, but keep in mind, the Colts are a number one defense in the league going into this game. So even though we moved the ball early on and we had this false illusion that we were just going to roll over him, but they have a great defense, and for him to go in there and battle like he did and keep us in the game, you know, put us within a few points of winning the game, put us within a minute of winning the game at the end, that's a good job, and it's all part of the growing process for Joe Burrow that's going to lead to us having a Super Bowl quarterback who's been through these battles. One thing we have to work on is telegraphing the runs. I mentioned that in an earlier episode of the podcast. I'm still seeing it. I don't want to tip off any of the teams that we're playing out there, but I'm seeing him leaning a little bit when we're handing off. And if if you're hanging with me watching the game, and I'll tell you, I'll I'll probably call 7 or 8 out of 10 runs based on the way he's moving his body. So I'm hoping that teams aren't queuing on that. Maybe that's why Mixon's getting met in the backfield. But I'm hoping that the coaching staff is in tune with that. He's not doing anything drastic, but if you watch, you can kind of see the lean So that's something that hopefully he can work on as time goes by. Again, it's a minor tweak. So on to the offense. Mixon was running really strong before he hurt his foot. He had the 44 yards in the first half. He had the touchdown in that scrum. I give the offensive line credit. We were just pushing. That was fun to see. It was kind of like a rugby match, and you're just watching this pile get moved to the end zone. So excellent job staying on your feet till the last minute there, Mr. Mixon. And I love the fact that the line did not give up. That was a good statement drive. I would have liked to have seen more of that as the game went on. But we saw a glimmer of it. Hopefully we get some of that in the future out of this O-line. And Higgins is continuing to make big plays. He is really having an exceptional year. And he's just breaking out more and more as each game goes by. He caught a couple balls in traffic, which I like to see. And I think, again, on that long ball, for the future, don't look back. If you're past the defense, just keep going. You're fast enough to outrun them. Don't look who's coming. Because truthfully, the way he was looking, it slowed him down. And he was looking at the guy who didn't even tackle him. There was another guy coming that he didn't even see. So it was kind of worthless for him to turn around like that. Nice to see A.J. Green have a good statistical game and also to make some big catches on that fourth quarter drive. The one on the fourth and nine, that was classic A.J. Green. So excited to see him making those plays. They were finding him on the quick slant a lot. I think that's one of the go-to routes for him now. And Boyd continued to make good plays. The jet sweep was big. He made a couple big catches in traffic. He had that nice play on the first drive of the game, which led to the touchdown. And the play where he fumbled, his leg got twisted really bad. I thought he was hurt. I was thinking, we're going to lose this guy for the year after that. And he he even held right outside of his knee. So I saw him on the sideline after, and he looked okay. I guess a lot of it was due to flexibility, so I'm glad that he wasn't hurt significantly on that play. Offensive line, decent performance, good first half performance, some good push, only let up two sacks and four quarterback hits, so Joe Burrow was pretty much upright this game, which was a very good thing and a very big improvement over the recent weeks. Again, I saw Bobby Hart not playing to the whistle on a couple plays. Bobby, please, you have to correct this. Just hustle. You have a lot of people going after you on social media for your play, at least Show them that you're hustling all the time. Maybe that'll silence some of the critics. Just take a a rookie like Khalid Kareem for an example. I mean, if Bobby Hart just watched some Khalid Kareem film, the guy never quits. So there's a case where I believe a rookie could actually teach a veteran something. And lastly, to finish off anything negative for the week, there were a few drops. We had the Mixon drop in the end zone. Higgins dropped one. Thomas dropped one. Boyd dropped one. Seaton Carter dropped one. 
So there's five completions that we left out there. That hurts the team and our chances to win. So moving on to the defense, there were a couple things. Xavier Williams, first game as a Bengal, what a game. A fumble recovery and a sack. Very active, very aggressive out there. Welcome aboard. And Jesse Bates continues to do it all. They had him blitzing. He made some plays in the backfield, covering receivers. He had the beautiful, beautiful play of the game defensively, interception, high-pointing it over everyone else, a decent return on it. Stay healthy. You're going to the Pro Bowl, my friend. Von Bell showed some good tackling and the reason why we signed him. He, he made quite a few good plays this game and gave up a couple plays. We have to put our guys in position to succeed. He's not really the kind of guy that's going to be covering speed receivers deep. He got put in that situation, and unfortunately, we gave up the touchdown. William Jackson had a very good game. He had that one one-on-one tackle against the running back that prevented a first down early in the game. Big play. Tough to tackle a guy bigger and stronger than you in in space like that. So excellent job there. And I saw that they had him following Hilton. Not necessarily every snap of the game, but he was floating around. He wasn't just on his normal side. I saw him all over the field. And Jermaine Pratt continues to impress with his tackling, not letting up much and making solid, sure tackles. Starting to become more of a force in the middle of the field, so that bodes well for the future. And Mackenzie Alexander, even with that hurt hamstring, and I saw him actually grab at it once during the game, and I was like, oh man. But when he is in there, he is shut down. And he's aggressive, he makes plays in the box. I've been touting him all year. It was really good to have him back. I think first game back, they played him a little too much. I think he played like almost 80% of the snaps. But he continues to be productive when he's in there. Very good acquisition. And then on to some of the negative things about the defense. I think LaShawn Sims is hurting us a little bit in coverage. And I'm not one to disparage any of our guys. I want LaShawn Sims to be a pro bowler. He was responsible for two touchdowns this game. And in the last few games, he's been giving up a lot of receptions. And I thought with Mackenzie Alexander coming back that we weren't going to see too much of him. But he did play a decent amount in this game and underperformed, in, in all fairness. So we need to figure out a way to get his technique up. I think he's a better man-to-man cover guy than a zone. I don't know what the scouting report says. But then, to be fair, Darius Phillips also struggled when he was in there. So so it wasn't like either one of them were lighting it up. Marcus Johnson was getting a lot of receptions off Darius Phillips. And that's another thing about winning a game. The same thing, you're up 21-0, you got to win that game. Another thing that you kind of have to do is don't let a practice squad receiver come up in one of his first games and dominate your defensive backfield. This was also a game where we were having a hard time getting pressure. We weren't blitzing a lot. A couple times we did blitz. Rivers was finding it. We tried some of those corner and safety blitzes from the outside, and Rivers was right on him. A couple of his plays, if you watch the game again, he recognizes it and throws right at the guy that the blitzer was covering. So they weren't really working. And the defensive line was getting minimal pressure. And that, again, goes back to on a lot of snaps, you know, you have... McKenzie, Bledsoe, and Williams, you know, three guys off the street and Carl Lawson in there. And those guys are playing tough. But when you have guys that are more backups than starters, it's hard to get consistent pressure on the quarterback. So it all makes sense. And Logan Wilson continues to play fast. I was, in the first couple games, I was a little concerned, was hoping that we didn't have another Nick Vigil on our hands. But he's getting to the ball. He's, he's showing some awareness. He's showing great speed out there. He got beat on that touchdown, but that throw was perfect. I can't think of too many linebackers that could have defended that throw. And another thing, if you watch that play, he gets caught up in like a pick play and there's traffic, and he still has the closing speed to get there and make it close. So on to special teams. Bullock hit the 55-yarder, which was great. 
but the 48-yarder was the one that I was kind of concerned with because it felt like this was his second real pressure kick of the season and his second miss on pressure kicks. And then Huber had the shank, and he's been great all year, so you can't get on him too much, but it came at such a bad time. Erickson continues to be solid returning punts. He hasn't had much of an opportunity to return anything big, but he's catching the ball, he's advancing the ball, he's doing everything that we asked. And our punt coverage is doing really well too, as they have been all year. So that's my review of the game, the good, the bad. I have to do both. I love to celebrate the good, and there's lessons to be learned in the bad. So here we are at 1-4-1. The playoffs are becoming a little bit more of a long shot as the season goes by. But we're still not out of it yet, so these games are still relevant. So let's try to win some games. You never know. There's seven playoff teams this year. We're not quite looking like a team that's going to go into the playoffs, but it's still early. We have a young team. We have a young quarterback. So regardless of if we make the playoffs or not this year, let's focus on Joe Burrow developing and Joe Burrow staying healthy and Jonah Williams getting better, and T. Higgins getting better, and the young defenders and the free agents all gelling together, and Coach Taylor improving on the play calling or just overall coaching and decisions. Let's just hope that our core has a healthy season of growth, whether we make the playoffs or not. Because we're going to be a good team. It's going to be a matter of time. We want it this year. I kind of want it now. Because why? What we're going to go through this whole season and then have to wait till next September to be competitive again? It's tough when you think about it like that. So in the meantime, playoffs or not, let's enjoy watching the team. Like I said, I have so much fun watching these games, and there's still 10 games left. So let's have a good time with it. We'll have some great plays, some great memories. Maybe something good will happen with the team. As long as everyone stays healthy, it's going to be fun, and it's going to be even better in the future. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode, we're going to welcome in Jason Hand from the Browns Huddle Podcast. He's a fellow ZDA Network member, and he knows a lot about the Browns, so it's going to be an interesting conversation. Tom McLevy's going to stop in for another McLevy minute, and Sands is going to come by to discuss the Colts game and preview the Browns game. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best highlights out there and the best Instagram page out there. And I'd also like to thank the ZDA Network, the network responsible for bringing you the unofficial Bengals podcast. You can find them at ZDA Network on Instagram or Twitter. And ZDA is just like the word media, only with a Z. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The unofficial Bengals podcast.